powerful? Praise the Lord. Amen. Get your Bible and stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. We do a little house cleaning here. It's all right, right there. That's good. Good enough. <laughs> Amen. Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter number 20. The book of Matthew. Book of Matthew, chapter number 20 this morning. Matthew chapter number 20 this morning, we'll begin reading with verse number 1. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, The last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few chosen. I'm using for my subject this morning the question. The question I have for you today is, are you ready to pick grapes? Are you ready to pick grapes? Father, thank you for the word of God today. He is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. Father, I just pray today that your anointing, Lord, would break any yoke of hindrance or bondage, Lord, in this place today. Father, help us this morning, Lord, to deliver your word under the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask. And Father, may they be those that are here today that will respond to the word of God and the challenge that is being given today. Father, we ask in Jesus' name, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. And you may be reseated this morning. There are six things that I want to call your attention to in this parable or story that Jesus told. The first thing I want us to notice this morning in this story is the recruiting. And the recruiting is found in verses 1 through 5. A certain man, the Bible said, owned a vineyard. And it was time to harvest his crops. It was grape picking time. 
So he goes out to the marketplace where there are men that gather every day in hopes that someone will come by and hire them to work. And so the landowner goes out very, very early. About six o'clock in the morning he goes out and he hires laborers into his vineyard. He goes back at the third, he goes back at the sixth, he goes back at the ninth hour of the day and hires more and more laborers, sending them into his vineyard to pick grapes. Each time he went to the marketplace, there were men that were standing around idle. He had no problem hiring workers. Write this down this morning if you're taking notes. They, these men that were idle that day, they were not idle because there was nothing to do. The fruit was ripe. The fruit was abundant. The harvest was plentiful. Friend, if you are idle in the work of the Lord today, it's not because there's nothing to do. Jesus said in John 4 and 35, he said, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 and verse 2, he said, The harvest is great. Whether we take a trip to our local schools or college campuses, whether we go to the mall or the movie theater, or whether we go to our own place of employment, whether we go across the ocean or simply walk across our own street, friend, wherever we go and wherever we look, the harvest is plentiful. Let me suggest also, number two, they were not idle because somebody else was getting the job done. They weren't idle because somebody else was getting the job done. The owner of the vineyard kept coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back for more workers. He already had workers and no doubt they were working very, very hard. But if they were getting the job done, he wouldn't have had to have kept coming back for more workers. And he came back up to and including the very last hour of the day. Friend, if you are an idle saint today, if you are idle in the work of the Lord, it's not because somebody else is getting the job done. Let me inform you this morning that New Bethel has plenty of job openings. Our Christian education ministry needs teachers and assistants. Our Royal Ranger ministry needs more men to mentor boys. Our Impact Girls Clubs needs more leaders and helpers. Uh, Oh, we need more workers for the landscape ministry. Oh, we need sound uh, technicians. Oh, it would be wonderful to have a maintenance committee to repair things when they break around here. You can start with the front of this pulpit. There are new ministries that need to be started. There are old ministries that need to be developed. Hear me this morning. If you are idle in the work of God today, it's not because somebody else is getting the job done. Recently, I heard of a mega church in the DFW area that is shutting down its Royal Ranger program because they can't find even five men to volunteer to run it. They're a mega church. They have 2,000 people on Sunday morning and can't can't find five men to run their Royal Ranger ministry. You know what the problem with the church today is? The problem with the church today is we have too many Aunt Berthas in the church. Let me tell you about Aunt Bertha. 
I have an Aunt Bertha in my family. Actually, Aunt Bertha has already died and gone on. And her name's not really Aunt Bertha. I have changed the name to protect the guilty. Do you have an Aunt Bertha in your family? I'm persuaded that you do. Let me describe Aunt Bertha. It's Thanksgiving Day. And everybody shows up at Grandma's for Thanksgiving dinner. All of Grandma's grown children arrive with all of their family. And everyone gets out of the car And everyone grabs what they have brought. Oh, there's turkey, there's dressing, there's cranberry sauce. Somebody's brought vegetables. Somebody's brought homemade breads. Oh, everybody's got a pie or a cake in their hand. Oh, all the grandma's uh, uh, family, oh, they're all bringing their load of goodies for Thanksgiving dinner. Here comes Aunt Bertha. She don't have anything in her hand. She shows up with her husband and three kids and they walk in there with nothing in their hand. All the ladies gather in the kitchen. It's time to prepare Thanksgiving dinner. They're heating up different dishes and they're heating up the rolls and they're making the tea and they're making the lemonade and they're putting glasses in, ice in the glasses and they're putting the table ready and they're getting it all ready and everyone's scurrying around doing their job. Everybody but Aunt Bertha. Aunt Bertha, she's sitting at the table with a glass of iced tea in her hand, barking out orders and complaining that everybody's doing it wrong. Everybody gathers around the table. Everyone gets their food. Everybody eats. And now the meal is over. It's Thanksgiving Day. The men, they're so wonderful, they exit and go find the football game. All the ladies get up and they scurry around. They start doing the dishes. They start washing the pots and the pans and the dishes and start doing all the work and start cleaning up. They all, but not Aunt Bertha. Aunt Bertha got a headache and she goes into the other room and gets on the bed and takes a nap. How many of you have an Aunt Bertha in your family? Oh, the problem is, there are way too many Aunt Berthas in the church. They're idle. They're idle. They're doing nothing. Everybody else is doing all the work. Everybody else is giving all the money. Everybody else is doing all. Oh, they just stand there with empty hands. They just sit there with their arms folded and tell you what's wrong with the church. And how it could be better. Oh, they're idle, but not because somebody else is getting the job done. Luke 10 and 2, Jesus said, the harvest truly is great, but he said, the laborers, they are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest, Jesus said, that he would send out laborers into his harvest. 
Oh, my prayer for New Bethel is not just that we will give $200,000 a year to missions. Uh, Oh, and that is one of my prayers. But my prayer goes far beyond that. And that is that all of us would roll up our sleeves and all of us would get involved in the work of God. And my prayer includes that God would call ministers and missionaries out of New Bethel. uh, Amen. Not to just give their money, uh, uh, but to give their very lives for the harvest. The third thing this morning, I want you to notice they were not idle because there was plenty of time to get the job done. Oh, the first, uh, the fact that this vineyard owner kept coming back and coming back and hiring more and more and more and more workers leads me to believe that he, that he felt that he was running out of time. He's running out of time. Oh, this morning, let me read to you one of the saddest verses in the entirety of the Word of God. It's Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 20. The harvest is past and the summer is ended and we are not saved. Friend, it has been well said. What Centuries have left undone. Now crowd the hour of a setting sun. Friend, what we do for God, we better hurry up and get it done. I said, if we're going to get involved in the harvest, if we're going to get involved in the work of the Lord, amen, if we're going to have something to lay before the Lord on judgment day, we better get ready. Amen, we better get busy. We better roll up our sleeves right now. Amen, and get involved. It's harvest time, my friend. And time is running out. We better do what we do very, very Quickly. The second thing that I notice in this story is the reprimand. Verse 6, about the eleventh hour he went out and he found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here all day idle? I'm persuaded that this landowner was a little put out with these men. He has grapes that are so ripe they are literally falling off the vines. Perhaps he has the biggest crop he has ever had before. Time is money. How he desperately needs workers lest he lose the crop that he worked so hard to grow. No doubt he chastises these men. Oh, how dare you stand around idle all day when you could be working in my vineyard. Oh, you lazy, no good, unproductive laborers. Why have you been standing here all day? Third thing I see in this story is the reason. In verse 6 we have the question. In verse 7 we have the answer. Verse 7 they said to him because nobody hired us. Wow. Now who looks foolish? Why are you standing here all day idle, he says. And they answer because nobody hired us. Hey, Mr. Landman, perhaps they replied, we were here at 6 o'clock when you were hiring. We were here at 9 o'clock. We were here at noon. We were here at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We've been here all day long, ready, willing, and able to work, but you didn't hire us. Wow. It gives you a little pers- different perspective, doesn't it? Why? Why were these men not hired? Well, well, let me give you three suggestions this morning. Oh, let me suggest three possibilities as to why these men weren't hired. Number one, perhaps, perhaps they seemed inadequate. They weren't hired because they seemed inadequate. Perhaps these men didn't look like vineyard workers. 
You know, sometimes we get a preconceived idea of what a person ought to look like or how a person ought to act. And because they don't fit the little mold that we have, we overlook them. Let me take just a moment this morning and talk to our department leaders. If you're a department leader this morning, let me talk to you. Go hire some people. Go after some workers. Don't wait for them to volunteer. Go recruit them. Now, listen to all that I have to say. Run their name by me first. Before you go after them. Let me put my stamp of approval on them first. See, I may know something about them that that you don't know that might disqualify them. Or I may know that they're already overloaded. They're already working harder than they ought to be working. And you may not know that. So before you go after someone, check with me. Or check with my wife first before you pursue them. But once you have been given the green light, go after them. And remember, looks can be deceiving. I have a little game I like to play with some of my pastor friends. When we go to a conference and we see who the speaker is, and if it's someone that we have never heard before, we don't know anything about them, we'll look them over really, really good before they preach. And then I'll look over to a pastor friend and I'll say, Thank you, preach. Never heard him preach before. We're just going by outward appearance. And oftentimes we'll look at each other and go, nah. (laughs) But invariably the ones who look least likely are often the very ones who bring down the house. Somebody said you can't judge a book by its cover, but the problem is we usually do. Why weren't these, why were these workers overlooked? Number one, perhaps they were, they appeared inadequate. Number two, perhaps, perhaps they were inexperienced. Maybe they had never picked grapes before, but they were willing to learn. Hear me this morning, ministry leaders. Too often we only look for well-trained and seasoned workers, which are few and far between. Let me encourage you today. Get some raw recruits and teach them and train them. They make the best workers anyway. Raise up people under you that will be loyal to you and people that will do things the way that you have taught and you have trained them to do. When my daughter and son-in-law were youth and worship pastors for my son in Midland a few years ago, they developed a program they called the Worship Society. And anyone that wanted to learn how to play an instrument or anyone that wanted to learn how to lead worship or wanted to learn how to be uh, uh, on the worship team, they would would come out on an off night and Sean would teach them how to play an instrument. He taught people how to play the drums. He taught people how to play the guitar. He taught people how to play the keyboard. He taught people how to play a horn. Anybody that wanted to learn to play an instrument, they would come out that night and Sean would take them in another room and he would teach and train them how to play an instrument. All of the singers that wanted to learn how to be a worship leader, our backup singer, Crystal would take them and she would teach them how to be a worship leader and teach them how to sing a part. And when a musician or a singer from the worship team was absent or someone moved or left the church, they had someone trained to step up and take their place and they never missed a beat. 
Why were these men in verse 6 overlooked all day long? Maybe they were perceived as inadequate. Maybe they were inexperienced. Maybe it wasn't them at all. Perhaps it was because of the insecurity of the landowner. Perhaps he had never hired this many workers before. Oh, how will I pay all of these workers? Perhaps he can, was concerning him. Oh, maybe he had thought to himself, do I even have the ability to run a crew this large? I've never had this much responsibility before. Maybe this was pushing him way beyond his comfort level. Do you know why most churches remain small? And by the way, the average church in America runs less than 100. And do you know why most churches remain small? For many, if not most, it's because of the pastor. He's insecure. If we grow, I'll have to hire me some staff, he thinks. And if I hire staff, I'll have to share my authority with them. I might even have to share some affection from the people. Oh, oh! if I hire staff, oh, the ones they work closest with in their ministry, they might love them more than they love me. Because they're hands-on working one-on-one with them. Do I really want that? Oh, what if I hire a staff member and he's not loyal to me? Oh, oh, what if he runs off and takes some of my people with him? Oh, what, what if I have to share some of my salary to pay him? And on, and on, and on, and on it goes. He, he, he might think, well, you know, hey, you know, if we do grow, uh, you know, I won't be able to know everybody intimately in the church like I used to. I won't be able to have coffee with everybody in the church twice a week like I've always been able to do. I won't be able to call every little kid by name and know who they go. And I, If we grow, I... The landowner in this story seems to be playing it safe. He goes out at 6 o'clock and he hires a few. He comes back at 9 o'clock, he hires a few more. He comes back at noon and he hires yet a few more. He comes at 3 in the afternoon and hires a few more. A little here, a little there, a little here, a little there. All the while his grapes are literally falling off of the vine. He should have had a bigger vision. But perhaps because of insecurity it held him back. Some ministry leaders are insecure. And so they don't ask. Certain people, they don't recruit people that they fear might be better at their job than they are. Hear me this morning, New Bethel. We need to think bigger. We need to increase our vision. We need to increase our faith. We are no longer a small struggling church trying to survive like we were about seven years ago or so. 
It's absolutely amazing and incredible to see how far we've come. But you hear me this morning, we are still far, 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 far from where God wants to take us. We have not arrived. We're not where we need to be. Amen. Not as long as there's grapes to be picked. Not as long as there's a harvest. Amen. Not as long as one person doesn't know Christ. Our job is not done. And friend, the potential is only limited by the limits we place on ourselves. Friend, what could happen to New Bethel if everybody started tithing? Pastor, I thought everybody did. <laughs> Tithe is 10%, not 2%. It's a tithe, not a tip. Oh, what would happen if everybody started tithing? Oh, what would happen if everybody caught the vision for missions? You say, Pastor, we've, we've broken the all-time record in missions given. We gave $153,000 to missions last year. Didn't everybody help? <laughs> if everybody did something, it'd be 300000 What would happen to New Bethel? How if everybody got involved in some type of ministry? Oh, I've got an awful idea. What would happen? How if even Aunt Bertha caught the vision and she rolled up her sleeves and she went to work? Six things I see in this story. The recruiting, the reprimand, the reason. The fourth thing I see in this story is is the reply. Verse 6, why have you been standing here all day idle? And verse 7, they said, because nobody hired us. And so he says, the landowner, in the last of verse 7, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. Oh, hear me this morning, people. God has a work for all of us to do. I said, God's got a work for all of us to do. Here's the problem. We don't always like the job that he has for us. We're in a recession, or did we hear it's over now? I don't know. Unemployment is very high right now. Many are out of work. And if you're out of work, please, I'm not picking on you, and I don't, please don't leave here upset with me, but let me just finish anyway. A lot of people out of work today. People come by the church nearly every single week. They're out of work, and... And they want help. And I constantly hear people say, there are no jobs. There are no jobs. There are no jobs. And everywhere I go, I see help wanted, help wanted, help wanted. You see, what these people are really saying is, there are no easy jobs with fat salaries, Pastor. Uh, Or there are no job openings in line with my degree. Hear me this morning. Apply for the good jobs. Apply for the good paying jobs. Apply for the jobs that line up with your career path. But until one of these career jobs opens up, deliver pizza! Work at McDonald's. Work at 7-Eleven, work at Walmart, mow grass, paint houses, deliver newspapers, carry bricks for a brick mason. 
Not forever. Just until the good career job opens up. People say, I would work in the church, but there are no openings. Somebody told me that just last night. I'm not coming to your church because there's no job for me. Hello? No, what they're really saying, they won't put me on the platform. They won't place me on the board. They won't give me a prestigious position in the church. Hey, mow the grass. Clean the toilets. Help a teacher. Drive a van. Jesus said, if you'll be faithful in a little bit, you will be faithful in much. But if you're unfaithful in a little bit, you're never going to have a whole lot. Friend, when you show your faithfulness and willingness to serve in the little, small, minute servant things, later, later you will be asked to serve in the greater things. The wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 18 and 16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Friend, if you truly are gifted in a certain area, if you really and truly have a genuine gift, that gift will eventually be recognized and you will be given an opportunity to use it. Number five, notice the response. Verse nine, and when, they, when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, notice, not only did these men, were these men hired, they actually responded. They actually showed up. They actually went into this man's vineyard and actually worked. Hear me this morning, a lot of people talk about going, they talk about giving, they talk about doing. These men didn't just talk about it, they did it, they responded. Hear me this morning, it's time that somebody here today stops talking about going, stops talking about giving, stops talking about doing, and starts actually going, giving, and doing. And the sixth thing I see in this story is the remuneration Verse 8, so when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last and to the first. Oh, how about you, my friends? Are you only concerned with getting to heaven? Or do you want to receive some rewards when you get there? Oh, I have a real burden upon my heart today for people not only to get to heaven... I don't want people just to get to heaven. But oh, I want them to have some rewards when they get there. I don't want you to get to heaven, friend, by the skin of your teeth. I don't want you just to get there. Hey, Amen. I want there to be something there waiting on you once you get there. I want you to be rewarded. I want you to be blessed. Hey, Amen. I want you to have incredible rewards waiting on you when you get there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
You see, heaven will not be the same for everybody. Most people just trying to get to heaven, thinking heaven's the same for everybody. We are saved by grace and grace alone. There's no work we could do to get us into heaven. But although we are saved by grace and grace alone, yet we are going to be rewarded or we are going to lose our reward based upon our works or the lack thereof. It's time, my friend, that we volunteered and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. I'm ready to pick some grapes, Lord. I'm willing to go in the vineyard. I'm ready to be used in the harvest, whether I'm scrubbing floors or scrubbing toilets or whether I'm preaching or teaching or working in Royal Rangers or missionettes or whatever it is. God, here am I, Lord. I want to be involved in the work of the living God. Here I am, Lord. I volunteer. Use me, dear God. I want to have your approval and I want to have some rewards awaiting me on the other side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Everyone will receive the things done in the body according to what he's done, whether it's good or bad. Jesus said in verse 16 of our text, the last is going to be first and the first are going to be last. Many that had much in this life are going to have little in the life to come. And many who hardly had anything in this life are going to have much in the life to come. The Lord laid something on my heart when I was in Belize. These pastors, some of them were from the city, but most of them were from the villages. And if you make $20 a day in the village, you've got a good job. I'm talking 2009. I'm not talking about 1945. I'm talking 2009. If you make $20 a day in some of these villages, you've got a good job. Some of these places were nothing but just a top and a couple of sides, not even any windows, not any doors. Most of them had, the only running water they had is if you were willing to run down to the well and get it. No electricity, outside toilet. I'm not describing Oklahoma in 1950. (laughs) Hey, I was born in 1955 in Oklahoma, and in 1960, I remember, we didn't have three bedrooms and two baths. We had three rooms and a path. I'll not go there. The Lord laid something on my heart. I asked the pastor, I said, I don't want to offend anybody here, but I feel impressed that I need to give each one of these pastors here some money. Would that be offensive? And I don't have a whole lot of money to give. You've got 30 people. I can't give everybody $1,000 or even $100. But I've got a little bit of money I'd like to give to every one of them. Would that be offensive? And I told him the amount, and he said, for... For a couple of guys that are here from the city, it would, you know, they could go eat. But for the others, what you're giving them is a lot. And so the Lord laid on my heart. At the end of that meeting, we did what we called a reverse offering. We had the ushers come down with the offering pan, offering bag. But we didn't ask the pastors to come and put money in. We asked the pastors to come and take money out. And it was awesome. It was incredible. Actually, we handed it out for them because we know how pastors are. (laughs) You heard about that barber, didn't you, that 
Catholic priest comes in, gets his hair cut, gets up, pulls his wallet out. Barbara said, I don't charge him into the cloth anything. Well, thank you. He left. Next day, the barber came to his barber shop, and there was a dozen donuts on his doorstep. Rabbi comes in, gets his hair cut, gets up, pulls out his wallet. Barber says, I don't charge man the cloth. And uh, he said, oh, okay, well, thank you. And he went his way, and next day, the barber came to, the, came to his barber shop, and there was a dozen golf balls sitting on his doorstep. Next day, Assembly of God pastor shows up, gets his hair cut, stands up, pulls out his wallet. Man says, I don't charge men of the cloth. He said, oh, well, thank you. He went his way. Next day, the barber came in. There was 12 Assembly of God pastors sitting on his doorstep. ready to pick some grapes. Amen. Are you ready to involve yourself in the harvest? Or are you like Aunt Bertha? Too many people pray, Lord, use me, God. Use me, God. Use me. And use me in an advisory capacity. (laughs) Believe me, we have plenty of advisors. We have plenty of armchair quarterbacks. Even at New Bethel. What we need today is people that are willing, amen, to say, here I am, Lord. I want to be involved. I'm ready to pick some grapes, Lord. I'm ready to, Lord, ready, I'm ready to be thrust into the harvest, oh God. Oh, this message is targeted to two people today. Number one, to, to idle Christians. Oh, oh, if you're idle this morning, it's time to go to work. It's time to roll up our sleeves and get involved in the harvest. It's also targeted at ministry leaders and coordinators today. It's time to hire some laborers. Stop waiting on somebody to volunteer. They're not coming. Amen. Get the approval first. But once you get the approval, go after them. Hire them. Teach them. Train them. And put them in the harvest. If the worship team could get back this morning. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord today. Oh, God, I just pray today there'll be a group of people today that are be willing to say, Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. I want to be useful in the kingdom of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This morning, very, very quickly, we're a little over, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond. And I want you to respond this morning. Uh, Amen. As they begin to play in just a moment, if you're here this morning and you're ready to be used, it's in the harvest, you're ready to be used. Oh, you don't not.